Welcome to the Story Walk, a podcast by storytellers for storytellers. And we hope that means you. Whether you identify as a storyteller with a capital S or if you just like to tell stories in your work, say as a teacher, librarian, counselor or a community leader. And not forgetting, if you're a parent or a grandparent looking to share stories and values with your family, And since the Story Walk is presented by Feast, the Federation of Asian Storytellers, our focus is on sharing Asian stories, celebrating tellers from the Philippines in the east to Turkey in the west and countless storytelling communities that lie in between. Welcome to episode 3 of Story Walk season 2. I am Meenu Sivaramakrishnan from India, your host for this episode. And joining me as co-hosts are Parvati Ishwaran and Dharanya Srinivasan from India. Parvati, have you heard of this proverb? We do not inherit the earth from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. Oh yes, yes. I remember reading it somewhere. It is so very true and also reminds us of the big responsibility that we have in our hands. Do you also agree with me, Dharanya? Of course. I truly believe that even a wee bit from each of us goes a long way in preserving our planet earth i totally second that dharanya in fact we all from the story walk team believe in this also with the earth day being celebrated in the month of april we have taken the theme for this month as nature narratives episode listen to some scrumptious stories from around asia in miso dim sum and fortune cookie i'm sure there is something delightful for all of us experience a grand and perfect entree with our storytelling expert roger jenkins and of course don't forget to join us the episode producers at the pantry as we discuss about this month's theme nature narratives You will definitely not want to miss out on the sparkling and informative conversations. <laughs> Rightly said Parvati. It is indeed going to be interesting with some singing and sharing. So, in our first segment, Miso for Kids, we have Ramya Iyer from India to share a story with us. Ramya Iyer is a professional storyteller and writer. who believes in the strength of a warm holding and healing space once upon a time 
a sweet little elephant was born in a forest near the mighty tall Himalayas in north of India. She was soft, with twinkly eyes, with gentle twinkly eyes, and a warm, playful smile. Everybody played with her, and she loved to play too. Many years passed after that, and just like how we grew up, she grew up too. Those days, kings would come often to the forest, and one day, a king from a neighboring kingdom noticed this elephant of ours, who had grown into a beautiful, strong elephant, the same twinkly eyes and warm smile. The king decided to bring her to his kingdom. Have her brought to the palace grounds immediately. And so it was arranged. The elephant was brought to the palace grounds, a small closed place, a small complex was assigned to her to live, her new home. There were guards who were guarding that place day and night. Her new home, yes, that became her new home. Trainers were assigned to her to train her in the ways of being of a royal elephant. Some of them even used sticks to train her. She was sad. She would cry in pain very often. Ah, she couldn't interact with anybody except for special occasions. She was now the pride of the kingdom. And what if someone took the elephant away? The royal elephant? No way. Years passed and this continued. She was still sad, afraid and in pain. Maybe someone noticed. Maybe nobody noticed that the smile had faded and the eyes... The eyes did not twinkle much anymore. Many nights, she just couldn't sleep well. And some nights, when she was tired and got some sleep, she would get a dream. A dream that kept coming to her. A dream that came to her often. A dream of her playing and eating carefree in her home, the forest. La, la, la. But she would wake up with the harsh truth that this was only a dream and she was in the royal palace grounds. One night she couldn't bear this any longer and she decided this was enough and she needed to go back, go away from this place. And that's what she did. She let out a loud trumpet and the guards started running here and there. And she started running too. She ran, ran, ran till she reached really, really deep into the forest and the king's search party looked everywhere but thankfully couldn't find her elephant. As I told you, she was in the deepest part of the forest surrounded by tall, green, beautiful trees, birds flying, bees buzzing, monkeys jumping from one tree to the other, deer dancing, squirrels scurrying, rabbits hopping and many playing tortoises and a stream of water gurgling and flowing and the bright sunlight filtering through the trees falling upon the ground. Ha! Ah, what a beautiful place it sounds like. I know you must be thinking that she must be all well happy settled into this wonderful home of hers, the forest. Wish it was, but not yet. She 
had left the royal palace, but the fear, the sadness had not left her. She carried that fear in her heart. One breath of wind and she would run around up and down, sometimes in circles, shaking in fear with the trunk swaying from left to right and her heart beating really, 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 really loudly. She couldn't feel any joy. I'm so afraid. I just don't feel happy, she told herself. Everyone and everything around her in this home of hers noticed this. They tried to call out to her, Elephant, dear elephant, call the trees and the stream of water, the birds and the bees, the monkeys, the deer, the squirrels. They talked amongst each other and they tried to call out to the elephant. But it's as if she just couldn't see this love or maybe the fear just blinded her and she couldn't listen to these words of love and support. Often tired, she would sit under one of the trees, a huge tree with branches and roots spreading far and wide above and below. And you know, when the sunlight fell from behind it, it looked like a radiant halo, a golden yellow halo around the tree. This tree was wise and its heart could sense the fear of our elephant and felt a lot of compassion towards her. The tree would try to speak to her often too. Elephant, listen, she would call. But the elephant couldn't listen. But everybody tried. They did not give up on calling out to her. And you know, one fine day, the wind gushed and the elephant took refuge in the shade of this huge tree. And the tree spoke again, yet again from heart. Dear elephant, dear elephant, don't fear the wind, my dear. The wind is just bringing a message of changing seasons, a gentle breeze of early winter that makes us dance and sway, a warm gush of wind of summer and a wet, misty gush tells us it's monsoon. Don't fear. The fear is in your mind. Meet it and let it pass, my dear. Breathe gently. Everything is fine. You are home with us. And this time, somehow, the elephant listened too from her heart with faith instead of fear. And she felt at peace, at ease. And the tree could sense the twinkle of the eyes and the warm smile return. And the tree spread word to the other trees and the stream of water. And they passed the messages of this exciting news to the birds and the bees chirping and buzzing. Joyful news spread to the monkeys, to the dancing deer who danced even more, to the squirrels who scurried even more, and the hopping rabbits who hopped a little more, and the playing tortoises played a little more, all of them celebrating and rejoicing for their friend, the elephant, was well now, not very afraid and at peace. They all rejoiced, yay! And they all lived together in friendship, support and joy for many, many, many years to come. Thank you, Ramya, for sharing such a beautiful story. You brought out the emotions so very well. Moving on, our next segment is Dim Sum for the adults. And for this, let's go all the way to Singapore as Mindy Neo shares her story. 
Mindy tells her stories of biodiversity and conservation. She hopes that through storytelling, people might have a deeper sense of humanity and appreciation for biodiversity. This is a folktale from Penang. There was once a village called Kampong Asam, and this village was surrounded by Asam trees, and these trees bore a lot of fruit. But the villagers there had no use for this fruit. So when the ripe fruit fell from the trees, they piled up on the ground, they rotted and made a smelly mess. At last, the villagers decided to cut these trees down. But there was one tree that they did prize, and that was the Julutong tree. But this tree could only be found deep in the jungle, and they were hard to locate. But they needed to find Julutong trees so they could use the Julutong resin to burn in their lamps, and they could also use the resin to season their food. Now, some distance away, was another village, and this village was called Kampong Jelutong. It was surrounded by Jelutong trees, but no one there had any use for these trees. They decided to cut them down. And the tree that they really prized was the Assam tree. They dried the fruit and used it in their cooking. But the Assam trees were deep in the jungle and they were difficult to find. Now one day, a man from Kampong Jelutong happened to be travelling past Kampong Asam, just as the villagers began to chop down their Asam trees. Hey, what are you doing? The Kampong Jelutong man was horrified. Why would you cut down perfectly good Asam trees? Oh, these trees are worthless, replied one of the men. They are just going to make a mess with their rotten fruit. We are going to get rid of them. What? The fruit of the Assam tree is delicious. You just have to know how to prepare it, said the Jelutong man. Hey, don't cut down your trees. Send one of your women home with me and my wife and we will show you how to prepare delicious food with the Assam fruit. So, the women and her friends from Kampong Assam, travelled to Kampong Jelutong. The people there were just about to chop down their Jelutong trees. Oh my goodness, what are you doing? cried the Kampong Assam woman. Oh, these trees, they are worthless. We are getting rid of them. What? No, 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 no. These trees are very valuable. Don't you know how to get the resin from Julutong trees? It's perfect to burn in lambs and it's also great to add flavour to some dishes. Hey, don't cut down these trees. These Julutong trees are valuable. The villagers looked at each other. Oh, this is amazing news. We shouldn't cut down our trees after all. So, the two villagers kept their trees. The folks of Kampung Assam 
learned to love the taste of their delicious Assam fruit, and the folks of Kampung Jelutong learned to use the resin of their Jelutong trees in their lambs and to season the food with the resin too. And you know what? The two villagers began to trade with each other. They would say something like, how about a basket of Assam fruit for a kilo of Jelutong resin? Hmm? Good deal. And so, the trees were saved and new friendships were made. I really love this story because it's about how one man's trash is another man's treasure. And I love that, you know, in the end, um, the people learned to treasure what they had. And it reminds me to treasure what I have as well. And so, yeah, it's a beautiful story about how nature provides if we just learn to appreciate it. What a beautiful thought, Mindy. One man's trash is another man's treasure. And it came out so beautifully through the story. And now, let's relish a magnificent entree with our next segment, Ace the Story. In our first two episodes of Season 2, we had experts who gave their valuable inputs on how to find a story to tell and then map it. In this episode, we will be discussing the next part in the sequence that is stepping into the story and exploring it multisensorially. And for this, we have our expert, one of the most experienced storytellers and one of the directors of the feast, Mr. Roger Jenkins. Welcome, Roger, and thanks for agreeing to share your valuable inputs as an expert in this important segment, Asia Story. Being one of the main producers of season one of Story Walk, you must be really excited to be here once again. Thanks, Parvati. It's a pleasure to be back on the Story Walk and just to see how it's progressing. In this episode, we would like to focus on how to step into the story and explore it multisensorially. So, Roger, please tell us how would you enhance the story so that the audience is able to visualize it? Yeah, that's an interesting question to talk about visualization because here we are on the podcast, which is a very auditory and oral medium. And so here, the use of the voice is paramount, the words that we use. But of course, it's important to remember that when you're telling a story face-to-face, then the non-verbal communicators are also critical too. In your gestures, your mime, perhaps facial expression, body language, such as your stance and the way that you move. And in order to help your audience visualize the story, if you have to inhabit the story, go on the same journey as the protagonist, or perhaps different characters change the point of view as you are getting yourself familiar with the story because you'll see the story in different ways. This is a very important part of making your telling your telling 
as opposed to another storyteller. So if you and I, Parvati, were to tell the same story, we would tell it in different ways. And we'd each bring our own unique sensibility to the telling. Hmm. Different ways to bring out our unique sensibilities to the telling. Could you please elaborate on that? One of the ways that I encourage people to begin is to think about the senses. And I, I thought it might be good if I kind of use a story as just a way to go through this. And it's one that I use on my video called Not Just at Bedtime, which I created parents and teachers trying to give them practical guidance through the video on how to make their telling come alive and to realize, of course, that you don't just tell stories at bedtime. If we take the story of Maliang and the magic paintbrush, Maliang is a kid and gets this paintbrush given to him, which is magic, and whatever he draws comes alive. And the emperor gets to hear about this and sends his soldiers to find the boy and bring him to the palace. Let's focus on colours. Maliang looked up and saw, coming towards him, some soldiers. They were dressed in bright blue tunics and they had on their chest an insignia of a rearing rampant dragon with his flames belching from his mouth and his claws extended. And what made these men look even scarier was that on their heads they had big black metal helmets. Are you Maliang? said one of the men. And as I said that, I leant in towards the microphone, as I would do if I was telling this either on Zoom or live, because I want to help the audience to see this very intimidating man and towering over the boy. So I'm looking down as I say that. Uh, yes, said Maliang. And as I said that, I instinctively raised my head and looked up and I am visualizing this mean, horrible, nasty soldier. Then come with me. And he stretched out a massive, poured hand and grabbed Maliang and dragged him towards the palace. Now let's switch from colors. And, and the soldiers dragged Maliang all the way to the palace. It was big. No, I tell a lie. It wasn't just big. It was huge. No, I tell a lie. It wasn't just huge. It was colossal. Marliang couldn't believe he'd never seen such a huge building in his life before. How many bedrooms he had, I could not begin to count them. The great doors of the palace swung open as if by magic, and he found himself in this huge courtyard. Clang, clang, clang. Now I'm moving on to sounds. A blacksmith was hammering out swords to one side. An arrow streaked across the yard and embedded itself in a swinging target. He was marched across the yard and went under another archway and came to a new courtyard. And there, let's change the focus and not just think about sounds, but smells too. He could hear the sizzling of meat in the wok, and he smelt mm, the most delicious aroma of food, food that he had never ever tasted before in his life, because he was only a poor young boy. But he was sure that this must be the most delicious meat, uh, the spices. But Maliang didn't have a chance to stand and savour them as they wafted on the breeze, because the soldier forced him forward and under another archway and found himself in a smaller courtyard and there he saw three young women beautifully dressed in pale green costumes that had been embroidered with leaves and flowers and they were practicing dance steps. 
in front of four musicians who were sat cross-legged on the floor, and he listened momentarily to the plaintive sounds of the erhu and the pipa. He was dragged forward and came through another archway too, a garden, birdsong wonderful fragrance of jasmine, and in the distance running water, and he glimpsed a small water wheel turning, and suddenly there was a loud dong, and as the notes of the gong died away, there stood the emperor, dressed in all his imperial finery. So, you are Ma Liang, he said, and now let's think about the way that we speak. Now, when I tell the story, I probably don't use words like sneered or snarled or commanded or ordered. I would just say said, because the tone of my voice will indicate that. But when I'm practicing the story, then it really encourages me to think about different kinds of voice. So, sneered the emperor, you are the boy with a magic paintbrush. Uh, yes stammered Maliang. Paint for me a tree. A tree? said Maliang, startled. Yes! hissed the emperor. Wow, that was indeed a visual treat. I could hear the gong sounds fading and smell the fragrance from the jasmine flowers too. And I loved the way you described the flowers on the pale green dress on the ladies. The way you described the palace, big, huge, colossal. Wow. Roger, in the beginning, you had mentioned the importance of non-verbal communicators. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, the, the non-verbal communicators are so important. And what you do with your hands, your gestures, how you handle things, how you might pick up, you can show the size of something, the weight of something, the texture, and perhaps in my voice a texture that wasn't very pleasant, what I was picking up. It was uh, soft and squelchy and ooh, rather yucky. Yeah. Um, this is all visible, not only in the hands, but also in the face. Perhaps for a moment, think like a film director in your storyboard and use your different shots. So you've got a long shot which sets the scene like I had with the palace and we can see the sheer scale of that. And then you want to come into the medium shot and this is wherever you've got like a dialogue, for example. It's a two-person shot and we need to see that relationship between, say, the soldier towering over the boy and him looking up in, you know, one corner of the picture so we get the sense of that proximity and their physical relationship. Then you want to have the close-up which is perhaps when you might come in to see the face, the reaction and when Maliang stammers, uh, uh, yes th that's me, we're really coming down to something very specific and of course we can go from a close-up to a very close-up perhaps highlight a particular feature in order to give it significance or because you don't want to say what the reaction but the the boy bit his lip i'm not telling you how he's feeling i've come right in and we're just seeing the boy biting his lip for me roger your advice think like a director was a sort of an eye opener and naturally i get to bring in better visualization another question roger just popped up Earlier you had mentioned that different characters other than the protagonist change the point of view. 
I, I, I was not exactly getting what you were saying at that point of time. Could you explain that, please? Oh, yeah, the idea of telling the story from different perspectives. Little Red Riding Hood's version of the story is very different from Grandma's uh, or indeed the wolf's because he's much closer to the ground and his hearing and his sense of smell probably far more acute, maybe his sense of taste, uh, he could distinguish between a young girl and, uh, and find a grandma to be rather, you know, crunchy and good for the calcium because of all the bones. Interesting. Does your approach change based on your audience, like, say, kids or adults? Mm, yeah, I, I think it does. Of course it does. It changes the details that you want to select. For example, if I'm telling with children, I, with young children particularly, uh, I suspect that my the visual and the tactile would become uh, much more prominent. The ooh and the yeah and the ooh, mm, oh yeah, ooh, yeah, as I'm having to pick up or I'm having to walk through the sticky yucky mud or of course some kids like oh great it's sticky yucky mud splish splash splish splash yeah <laughs> I can imagine the children rolling with laughter I'm sure you're a great hit with them one last question Roger what according to you is that one most important aspect a storyteller needs to ensure that the audience is completely engaged where you're looking, how you create focus is very important. I can remember there was a relatively new, inexperienced teller. He was just looking left and right. And so the first suggestion that I said was, excuse me, where is the giant? And oh, yeah, and look up. And how high you look up and how far down. Or indeed, you could pick the, the farmer up and hold him on your hand. So looking around, that sense of wonder, if you've entered into a forest or a cave and it's slippery or it's dark, there are birds swooping down to all these kind of actions. You yourself, your body is experiencing that, the cold, the heat, the thorns, all those things that your body needs to feel and react to. And when you convey that, then your audience will be there too. Thank you, Roger, for taking time from your otherwise busy schedule to share your thoughts. I'm sure our listeners will enjoy this interview as much as I enjoy. Wow, that was indeed so valuable. Interesting points and new learnings. I'm sure all the storytellers who are listening would agree too. Smell something interesting is already cooking. I think it should be at the pantry. Um, I don't want to miss it. And I'm sure you don't want to either. So, follow me. நிலவு வந்ததும் மலர் மலர்ந்ததா மலர் மலர்ந்ததால் நிலவு வந்ததா ஹே வாட்ஸ் ஹேப்பனிங் 
Nothing special, Meenu. We were just waiting for you. And Dharanya started singing this song. And I just joined in. But hey, this is one of my favorite Tamil movie songs. And look at the way the poet has brought out the cause and effect relationship in nature. Did the breeze blow because the leaves rustled? Or did the leaves rustle because the breeze blew? Did the flower bloom when the moon rose? Or did the moon rise when the flower bloomed? A nature sparks. You know, since the time we decided on our theme, I have been thinking of how we humans are connected to the five elements of nature, earth, water, wind, space and fire. Talking about the five elements, I get reminded of what the great Tamil saint Tirumular said. From fire originated water, from wind originated light, from space originated sound and from water originated earth. This is the way the five elements of nature evolved. Aha! Beautiful! Nature is indeed the very source of all creations. We come from nature and merge into nature, right? Such is our connection. But do I have to be a spiritualist, naturalist or an environmentalist to really understand nature? Not at all, Parvati. Actually, nature is more to be enjoyed and experienced. <sighs> Just enjoying a sunset on terrace, how beautiful that is. And my favourite beach. Ah. <sighs> Makes me crave for the smell and sound of waves. A hike up a hill? Sitting in a garden with some music and hot, hot chai. Hmm. And the chirping morning birds. Ah, the list just seems to be endless. In fact, I have heard a saying, a tree is nothing but half of our lungs standing over there. Rightly said Dharanya. And that is why the preservation of Mother Nature becomes important. In fact, if the bees go extinct, then that is the end of everything on Earth. Oh, really? I was not aware of that. Mm. Which means we have to acknowledge that every single organism starting from microbes to the most evolved creations like us, humans, are all interdependent. That is true, Parvati. I have to tell you, this pandemic very strangely opened my eyes a lot to nature. It was so heartwarming to see animals and other wildlife freely roaming on the streets while we humans had to remain at home quarantined. <laughs> and see the irony. If bees go extinct, humans perish. But even if humans perish... All other life forms will still thrive. <laughs> That's so true, Meenu. If only humans can control their greed, all life forms can thrive in coexistence. And that 
brings us back to the proverb. We do not inherit the earth from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. If we stay aware of this, then automatically we begin to tread carefully. Before we move on, here is a sneak peek into the feast events for the month of May. On the 2nd of May, we have the webinar Fracturing Fairy Tales by Laura Packer, an immersive and interactive workshop to deepen the understanding of the ancient fairy tales that we have all grown up listening to. And yes, the first cultural storytelling tour, the Lysian Way Walk, is happening from 8th to 15th of May. Walk the Lysian Way by day and tell or listen to stories in historic amphitheatres every night. On the 26th of May, we have the special interest group for improv facilitated by Roger and Oshima, a friendly and supportive space for feast members to practice their improv skills. And finally, on the 31st of May, we have the peer coaching story swap. Wow, that is indeed an exciting lineup of events. So listeners, don't forget to register and participate. Do visit the Feast website for more details and registration. Now, we have come to our last segment. How is a great feast complete without a desert? Right? And I love deserts. So, here we have the fortune cookie of multilingual stories. For this, we have two tellers from India, Shubha Das in tandem with Sarita Nair and they will be telling in Malayalam and English. Shubha is a professional storyteller who specializes in Malayalam classics and stories based on cultural heritage with a contemporary edge. Sarita Nair adorns various hats that of a performance and therapeutic storyteller, a theater practitioner, facilitator and of a curator. A long time ago, by the banks of River Pamba, a cow went grazing into the forest every day. Panduru kalat, pambayatin tirat, pull kana pashurti, katil pull meyan poor. Pull kana pashurti, katil pull meyan poor. Anganuri divasam. The cow had long known that she was trespassing and so the sudden appearance of the tiger did not scare her. Hmm, you don't have to worry about it. I'm going to take you to the house. 
പാടില്ല പാടില്ല എനിക്ക് നിങ്ങൾ ഒരു ദിവസം കൂടി നൽകേണം കരുതിയോ അയ്യോ ഇല്ല ഒരിക്കലും ഇല്ല ഞാൻ ഞാൻ ഐ എം നോട്ട് ഫൂളിംഗ് യു സർ ഐ വിൽ ഡെഫിനറ്റ്ലി കീപ്പ് മൈ വേർഡ്സ് പ്ലീസ് ട്രസ്റ്റ് മീ ദൈഗർ തോട്ട് ഫോർ എ വയൽ ആൻഡ് ഗ്രാൻഡ് പിന്നെയും പണ്ടൊരു കാലത്ത് പമ്പയാട്ടിൻ തീരത്ത് പുല്ല് കാണാ പശു ഒരുത്തി വീണ്ടും പുല്ല് മെയ്യാൻ പോയി പുല്ല് കാണാ പശു ഒരുത്തി വീണ്ടും പുല്ല് മെയ്യാൻ പോയി ആഷി വോണ്ടഡ് ഗ്രീസിംഗ് ത്രൂ ദ ബുഷസ് ആൻഡ് അപ്രൈറ്റ് ഇൻ ഫ്രണ്ട് ഓഫ് ദ കാ ഐ ടു ഐ the python opened its mouth wide and said inette bakshanam rasikaram i can't wait to eat you up eh enda enneyo inno ayyo ayyo venda venda paadilla paadilla enike ningal oru divasam koodi nalgeenam Please let me go today for I have to get back to my calf to feed her she must be very hungry I assure you I'll come back to you tomorrow and you can eat me for sure please let me go The python stood up right swing left and right Sammadikilla yan inda vitti aanu karidiyo അയ്യോ ഒരിക്കലുമില്ല ഐ വിൽ ഡെഫിനറ്റ്ലി കീപ്പ് മൈ വേർഡ്സ് പ്ലീസ് ട്രസ്റ്റ് മീ ദ പൈത്തൻ തോട്ട് ഫോർ എ വയൽ ആൻഡ് ഗ്രാൻഡ് ദ കാവ് എ ഡേസ് ടൈം പിന്നെയും പണ്ടൊരു കാലത്ത് പമ്പയാട്ടിൻ തീരത്ത് പുല്ല് കാണാ പശു ഒരുത്തി വീണ്ടും പുല്ല് മെയ്യാൻ പോയി പുല്ല് കാണാ പശു ഒരുത്തി വീണ്ടും പുല്ല് മേയാൻ പോയി അങ്ങനെ പുല്ല് മേഞ്ഞ് നടക്കുന്നിടയിൽ പശു ഒരു വലിയ പുൽക്കൂട്ടം കണ്ടു ഇത്രയും പുല്ല് ഒന്നിച്ച് കണ്ടതിൻ്റെ സന്തോഷത്തിൽ പശു വേഗം അതിൻ്റെ അടുത്തേക്ക് ചെന്നിട്ട് പെട്ടെന്ന് മേയാൻ തുടങ്ങി ആൻഡ് ഫ്രം ദാറ്റ് മൗണ്ട് ഓഫ് ഗ്രാസ് Seeing so, the bear charged towards the cow. Pakshe, Apporekyum, Pashu Arigilekyum Aareet, Parnyu. Padilya, Padilya, Enikya Ningal, Urudivasam Koodi Nalgenam. Please let me go to my calf today. I need to feed her. She must be waiting for me. She must be very hungry. I promise to come back to you tomorrow and you can eat me for sure. please let me go and this time for a change the bear instantly agreed to let her go for a day for his intuition suggested that he could trust her soon the sun was setting it was time for her to get back to her calf with a heavy heart she walked back home worrying about her little one about how would she survive without her mother from tomorrow വീട്ടിലെത്തിയതും അമ്മയെ കണ്ട സന്തോഷത്തിൽ പശുക്കുട്ടി അമ്മയുടെ അടുത്തേക്ക് കുതിച്ചു ചെന്നു 
പക്ഷേ അമ്മയുടെ നിറഞ്ഞ കണ്ണുകളും മുറിവേറ്റ ശരീരവും കണ്ടിട്ട് പശുക്കുട്ടി വിഷമിച്ചു ദ കാഫ് ജസ്റ്റ് റിഫ്യൂസ് ടു ഈറ്റ് അണ്ടിൽ ഹ മദർ ടോൾ ഹർ വാട്ട് ഹാഡ് ട്രാൻസ്പയർഡ് ഇൻ ദ ഫോറസ്റ്റ് ദ കാവ് വാസ് ഏക്കിംഗ് ടു ടെൽ ഹർ ലിറ്റിൽ വൺ ദറ്റ് വൺ ഷി ഗോസ് എ വേ ടു മോറോ ഷി വാസ് നെവർ ഗോയിങ് ടു റിട്ടേൺ അഗൈൻ മക്കളെ വാ ഇന്ന് നീ മനസ്സ് നിറയെ പാല് കുടിച്ചോ കാരണം നാളെ ഞാൻ കാട്ടിലേക്ക് പോയാൽ പിന്നെ തിരികെ വരില്ല At first the calf did not understand then the cow told her about the promise that she had made to the tiger to the python and to the bear pashukutti ammeda kannugalil nokki maari ninnittu parnu ennal amme enikku inna paalu venda innu njan paalu kudichal naale veendum enikku kudikkan thonum adondu innu njan paalu kudikkilla naale mudalku njanum pullu meyan povu The cow was amused by her little one's wisdom. She knew her calf was now ready to be on its own and she had nothing to worry about. Pityanna pashukutti unarna munbe amma pashu kaatil pulida adutheke poi. Raatri muluvanum urakkam olichu puli pashuvane kandadam albudathode eyneettu ninnu. Aha, nee sherikkum vannu alle. I am pleased with your honesty. പോയിക്കോ പോയി നിന്റെ കുട്ടിയുടെ ഒപ്പം ജീവിച്ചോ ദ കാസ് ഇല്ലേറ്റോ വിഷമിക്കണോ എന്ന് അറിയാതെ അമ്മ പശു കരടിയുടെ അടുത്തേക്ക് ചെന്നു പശുവിനെ കണ്ടതും കരടിപ്പും ചിരിച്ചു പറഞ്ഞു I knew I could trust you. Today or no animal in this forest will ever trouble you. Go and be with your little one and bring her up too as trustworthy as you. Angane panduru kalath pambayattin thirath pulle kana pashuruthi meendum pulle meyan poi pulle kana pashuruthi വളരെ മനോഹരം സച്ച് എ ഡിലൈറ്റ്ഫുൾ ടെല്ലിംഗ് ഐ ഗെറ്റ് റിമൈൻഡ് ഓഫ് എ സിമിലർ സ്റ്റോറി ഓഫ് ഫോക്ക് ടെയിൽ ദാറ്റ് ഇസ് വെരി പോപ്പുലർ ഹിയർ ഇൻ ദ സ്റ്റേറ്റ് ഓഫ് കർണാടക സ്റ്റോറീസ് ഇൻ ഡി ട്രാവൽ ഹാവിംഗ് ഗ്രോൺ അപ്പ് ഇൻ കേരള ഹിയറിംഗ് ദിസ് ഇൻ മലയാളം വാസ് ഇൻ ഡീഡ് എ സ്വീറ്റ് എക്സ്പീരിയൻസ് ഐ ജസ്റ്റ് ലവ് ദ സിങ് സോങ് സ്റ്റൈൽ ഓഫ് മലയാളം the language that is considered a close relative to my mother tongue tamil no doubt telling in our mother tongue is indeed an experience of a different kind and with that we come to the end of episode 3 of story walk season 2 we hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed bringing this together for you Do write in to us at storywalk@gmail.com to let us know your thoughts on this episode. Storywalk is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and other leading podcast platforms. Subscribe to Storywalk and share it with your friends and family too. And don't forget to follow Feast on Facebook and Instagram for the latest news and upcoming programs. 
This is Meenu Sivaramakrishnan and on behalf of my co-hosts and co-producers for this episode Parvati Ishwaran and Dharanya Srinivasan thank you for listening in. We hope to see you back next month with our next episode on a new theme and different discussions. Bye bye.